It could be said that Ethereum is the true cloud, whereas in Web2, the cloud is sort of a marketing term for a server farm owned by a corporation. Ethereum creates a decentralized market where anyone can store or process code in exchange for payment, creating a kind of cloud for decentralized applications, commonly known as dApps. Hi, and welcome back to What Kind of Internet Do You Want? I'm Amy James, and today we're talking about Ethereum. After Bitcoin, Ethereum is the second most well-known and valuable cryptocurrency, but they have different use cases. While the purpose of Bitcoin is value, whether value transfer or store of value, the purpose of Ethereum is to execute smart contracts. We break down four categories of Web3 use cases in our video, Crypto versus Web3, so we'll link that here if you wanna check it out. Ethereum was the first protocol Protocol in the Touring Complete smart contract category. It offers a platform for Touring Complete smart contracts, which means it can be used to create any kind of decentralized application. As we just talked about in our two-part series on smart contracts, a Touring Complete smart contract is code stored on a blockchain that runs when predetermined conditions are met. So Ethereum is a network where that can happen. It's a decentralized protocol where smart contracts can be written to the blockchain and processed by the network. After Bitcoin popularized blockchain technology as a form of cryptocurrency, there were many copycats like Litecoin and Dogecoin, which have slightly different parameters from Bitcoin, a different block time or supply cap, but still have the use case of being a method of value transfer or a store of value. Ethereum took the possibility of blockchain technology beyond cryptocurrency to smart contracting. It provides a Turing complete programming language the ability to publish applications to a public ledger and the processing to execute them. The potential of Ethereum has drawn a lot of people, money, and energy into Web3, and now seven years since its launch, some of the most popular decentralized applications are built on Ethereum. You could say that Ethereum is to blockchain what HTTP is to TCPIP. It's an application layer upon which apps that end users interact with are built. So today we're talking about how Ethereum began, how it works, the challenges it's faced, and its future plans for development. But before we start, please hit the like button and subscribe to the channel, and let's get into it. Unlike Bitcoin, where the creator or creators known by the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto is anonymous, Ethereum was created by a guy who is very well known. His name is Vitalik Buterin, and he's been an active and influential part of the cryptocurrency industry since its very early days. He co-founded Bitcoin Magazine in 2011 when he was just 17 and became one of its most popular writers. In 2013, he published the Ethereum white paper, and in 2015, at just 21 years old, he launched the Ethereum network with a group of co-founders. While he had initially argued that Bitcoin should add Turing completeness to its scripting abilities, 
Core developers disagreed, so Vitalik then proposed an entirely new platform with a Turing-complete programming language, and this idea would eventually become Ethereum. I remember when it was such a big deal in 2014 when Vitalik was awarded the Teal Fellowship, a $100,000 grant that would give him two years of funding to work on the project, and it's hilarious in hindsight because it seemed like so much money at the time, and now that's like chump change in the crypto industry. Later that same year, Vitalik and his co-founders held a crowdfunding campaign. It was also one of the most popular and successful at the time, and they raised over $18 million, which was used for development and to launch the network. And again, it's funny that it's such a low number compared to the fundraising that it's happening on pretty obscure Web3 projects today, but that really highlights the growth of the industry. Vitalik has continued to be a well-known figure in the industry and has been instrumental in addressing the challenges Ethereum has faced, as well as charting the future plans for the network. So now let's talk about the basics of how Ethereum works. Like Bitcoin, Ethereum consists of a decentralized network of nodes that validates transactions and stores them in blocks. And for doing this, they earn block rewards in the form of newly generated Ethereum network tokens called Ether. But unlike Bitcoin, Ethereum stores more than just transactions in its decentralized ledger. It also stores smart contract code that is written in a language invented for this purpose called Solidity. The nodes that operate the network also earn Ether when they process smart contracts. This is called the gas fee. Side note about naming, it's true that Ether and Ethereum were named after a mythical element from the card game Magic the Gathering. The naming used throughout the Ethereum protocol is pretty funny. There's Ether, Gas, Sharding, the Merge. One of my favorite quirks about nerd culture is the naming and how seriously they take it. I've never played Magic the Gathering, but as a writer, I appreciate a good naming backstory. So anyway, gas is another way of saying processing cost, and it's how users pay for network resources like computation and storage when smart contracts execute. If the smart contract is particularly complex and requires a lot of resources, it will require more gas to execute it. And of course, if a user is trying to run a smart contract but does not pay enough gas, the smart contract will not be executed. The groundbreaking innovation Ethereum offers is called the Ethereum Virtual Machine because it makes a new form of computation possible. Rather than running code locally or on a server, Ethereum creates a decentralized network where code can be stored and processed. It could be said that Ethereum is the true cloud, whereas in Web2, the cloud is sort of a marketing term for a server farm owned by a corporation. Ethereum creates a decentralized market where anyone can store or process code in exchange for payment, creating a kind of of cloud for decentralized applications, commonly known as dApps. This is the reason Ethereum has generated so much excitement. It creates a platform that can store and process any kind of application in a fully decentralized way. Well, the promise of what Ethereum can do is incredible since it has the potential to move blockchain technology beyond financial purposes and fully remake the web. 
Ironically, so far, the uses it's most well known for are financial, things like decentralized finance, non-fungible tokens, and initial coin offerings. But there are also projects using it to incentivize and orchestrate networks for Web3 infrastructure that offer decentralized solutions for things like video transcoding, live streaming, cloud computing, indexing, and querying. Okay, so now let's talk about some of the challenges Ethereum has faced. As we talked about in our video on Bitcoin's approach to smart contracts, because Bitcoin's not Turing complete, there isn't much that can go wrong. I'm not saying it wouldn't be a problem if something did go wrong and a transaction was sent prematurely or not at all. But Bitcoin's scripting can't cause network-wide disruptions, whereas the Turing complete scripting used by Ethereum is much more complex, which means issues can have a more significant impact on the network. And early on, Ethereum did face issues because of a complex smart contract with the infamous DAO hack. To explain it, let's first quickly talk about what a DAO is. The term DAO stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. The concept came about in 2014 or 2015 when people realized that with the right combination of smart contracts, a decentralized organization could operate with no formal legal structure. It could have members and it could have a shared treasury and its members could vote over what to do with the funds in its treasury, all without the need for a bank account or a hierarchy structure or any executives at all operating entirely based upon smart contract code that governs it and the decisions of its members. So in mid-2016, a group formed around the idea of crowdfunding a shared pool of money that it could then invest directly into various proposed projects. They called it the DAO. Initially, it looked like it could be very successful, quickly raising $150 million in Ether via a token sale. Unfortunately, there was a vulnerability in its code base. If you think about it, it was kind of like a really valuable bug bounty system. I'm sure lots of people looked over the code before it went live and didn't find anything. But as soon as finding a vulnerability could be worth tens of millions of dollars or more, an exploit was found pretty quickly. An attacker drained the DAO of tens of millions of dollars worth of ETH before members of the DAO stopped them. And this led to a schism in the Ethereum community over how to address the issue of the lost ETH. Some argued that since blockchains are meant to be immutable, there was nothing that could be done aside from learning from the mistake and be more careful with writing code going forward. And others argued that since the theft was discovered so quickly, there was an opportunity to roll the blockchain back to before it happened and essentially erase the theft from history, enabling them to recover the tens of millions of dollars of stolen ETH, even though it meant undermining the premise of a blockchain being immutable. 
Ultimately, the community split over the decision. The organizers and investors in the DAO and most of the core developers decided that it would be best to rewind the chain. But since others in the community disagreed, when the rollback was done, the network forked into two versions. The version with the modified history retained the name Ethereum, and the one that still had the hack in its history became known as Ethereum Classic. Another challenge Ethereum faced in its early years was not caused by something going wrong with a smart contract, but by a dApp growing too popular for the network to handle it. In late 2017, a virtual pet game called CryptoKitties was released. It allowed users to spend their ETH tokens to purchase, collect, breed, and sell virtual cats, kind of like a crypto version of the Tamagotchi virtual pets from the 90s. The game was a great demonstration of what a fully decentralized processing environment wrapped around the concept of cryptographically enforced uniqueness could do, and it took off like wildfire. Unfortunately, it also nearly crippled Ethereum because the network couldn't handle that level of throughput. So it caused a dramatic backlog of transactions and slowed the entire network down. Ultimately, it was fixed through a combination of smart contract code optimization and giving end users more clarity about what was happening with the UI. There's a great article about how it was handled that we'll link in the description, which said, quote, in response to what was unfolding to be an industry-wide dilemma, an impromptu task force of Ethereum developers from projects like MetaMask, Infura, and GridPlus came together and joined the CryptoKitties team in formulating short-term optimizations and longer-term scaling solutions that not only alleviated the immediate danger, but laid out roadmaps toward a more functional future. And I especially like this line, quote, Perhaps even more importantly, the saga highlights the remarkably collaborative and cooperative nature of the blockchain space and developer community, end quote. This event revealed Ethereum's scaling issues and led the community to conclude that it needed major upgrades if it was going to be able to serve as the world computer. Ethereum is now in the midst of a multi-year-long effort to implement a number of significant changes to scale the transaction and processing throughput of the network. The first of these changes was migrating the consensus protocol from proof of work to proof of stake. We have videos breaking down the basics of proof of work and proof of stake, and we'll link them if you want to check them out. It can be really hard to upgrade an active protocol, especially blockchain protocols, because all of the node operators need to implement the upgrade within a short time frame so as not to fork the network. Ethereum moved from proof of work to proof of stake in 2022, and while it was years in the making, the big day was uneventful, which is basically the highest degree of success you can have in that kind of thing. This change, dubbed the merge, was part of a multi-stage plan to improve the throughput and scalability of the Ethereum network. The remaining stages are called the surge, the verge, the purge, and the splurge, which will upgrade the Ethereum network via a variety of approaches like changing block size limits, sharding, compressing, pruning, and deduplicating data, and using off-chain storage, rollups, parallel processing, and off-chain computation. Ethereum was the first blockchain network with a Turing complete programming language intended to build 
any kind of decentralized application, but it's no longer the only one. There have been other networks created inspired by Ethereum that enable smart contracting and decentralized applications, but have different incentive design or blockchain parameters. But so far, Ethereum remains the most popular and valuable, having generated almost 15 billion in cumulative revenue and consistently more than half a million daily active wallet addresses, reaching more than 1 million last July. It also has one of the most, if not the most, vibrant developer community in Web3, with more than 1.5 million downloads per week of its most popular software development kits in 2022. And that's it for today. If you learned something about Ethereum, please like the video and share it on social media. And if you want to keep hanging out and talking about Web3, subscribe to the channel so you don't miss future videos. You can find me at Amy of Alexandria and follow the organization at Web3WG. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time.